Welcome to Ancient Heroes, where we explore the mysteries and myths of the ancient world. I'm your host, Patrick Garvey. You can find the show notes and learn more about ancient history at ancientheroes.net. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a lot of great interviews coming up soon with historians, scholars, writers about a lot of different ancient history topics, and we're going to even start moving beyond Greece at some point to talk about ancient Rome and then, you know, expanding from there and going outside of just the the classics to other areas of the world and other periods of ancient history. So today, Uh, Before we get to that, I've been getting a lot of questions lately from friends, from people that I'm interviewing who, and just corresponding with in general online about how did I get started studying ancient history? Where did I get the idea for this podcast? Why am I doing it? Why do I write articles at ancientheroes.net and that kind of thing? So I'm just going to talk a little bit today about that and just describe my experience and a few things that I've learned over the last number of years getting into some of this. Because I think there's a lot of people out there that are interested in these subjects and they just wonder, okay, well, you know, how easy is it to start a podcast or to start writing about some of these things? So I promise not go on too long. I'm just going to give my, a little bit of a biography of me. So my interest in ancient history started when I was a kid. I had a book called The Dictionary of Cultural Literacy. Some of you all may have heard of that. It just basically was a book that tried to give an overview in a single book of all of the references and figures of speech and ancient figures and uh, basically the cultural knowledge that someone could or maybe should have uh, growing up in our Western culture. And so it had, it described figures from the Bible and figures of speech that come from the Bible. It also has, you know, as well as Shakespeare, ancient history, modern history, and American history. So all of these things kind of in one book that the format was of a dictionary. So it would have different sections. Maybe one section would be people from the ancient world. Another section would be common figures of speech and what they mean. And But in each section, it didn't tell a story. It just gave definitions. It just gave definitions in alphabetical order. So you could be reading, you know, one entry could be about Julius Caesar and the next entry could be about something totally unrelated to Julius Caesar from the ancient world. So it was interesting to just browse through. There was so much information that you could take it on a car ride, like a car trip or something like that, and just sort of browse through and learn a ton. And it was great for trivia and asking questions. And it was just a great companion for me on trips. And I love to read. And I, something about that book I, I just loved. And so this was, you know, this was 25 years ago, maybe. So this was uh, before, you know, this information was so easily available on something like Wikipedia. So they were still making these long encyclopedia-type books. So The Dictionary of Cultural Literacy. It's a great book. Uh, I recommend looking it up if you're interested. But I started reading through 
the Dictionary of Cultural Literacy, and there were a few entries that always stuck out and caught my imagination, and one of those was Alexander the Great. And I'm not totally sure why that's the case. I think it's for the obvious reasons that Alexander has caught many people's interests over the years. But as a young kid, it had an, uh, a special resonance because he seemed like almost a historical superhero. He accomplished so much, the magnitude of his achievements, conquering the Persian Empire, uh, going into three different continents, and basically never losing a major battle. And he was so young when he did all of it, and, and he died at a young age. So who knows what he would have been able to do had he lived longer. And so he, he seemed like a superhero. And I think part of it, too, was that he, there, I remember there may have been a, uh, a drawing of Alexander, a painting where he, you know, he was a young guy. And so to a kid, you see someone who looks reasonably young, who doesn't have a beard, who uh, is winning all these battles, and his name is Alexander the Great. And it sounds like it could almost be like a modern name, which it is. So it definitely resonated with me as a kid, and the, the, the name stuck in my head. And as I grew up, I, I wasn't really into ancient history like in high school or even college or anything like that, but Alexander stood out in my mind for some reason. And I think part of that was related to sexuality. I'm bisexual, and Alexander is one of the most well-known, must be the most well-known bisexual figure in history. And the strange thing about bisexuality, especially in men, is you just don't see it that much represented in culture, especially our modern culture. And uh, Alexander is someone who was the most powerful person in the world and the most successful person of his era, and he helped define you know, uh, ancient history to such a large extent that seeing him as bisexual, it, it, there was definitely that craving for representation that I had in seeing someone else. And wow, it's not just a, it's not just someone I admire. It's the most, one of the most powerful people of all time. And uh, so I think that's something that stood out to me. And I started learning a little bit more about Alexander and his relationship with Hephaestion. And there were these mysteries involved with their relationship and the parallel between Achilles and Patrocles. And so I started sort of, as I got into my 20s, let's say, kind of keeping that interest. And in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, I want to look into this sometime. I'm curious about uh, ancient Greece and some of the mythology and uh, as well as the history of Alexander the Great as a historical figure. So the next step in all this was I shortly after college, I had a job that I don't want to say it was a fake job completely, but it just was it was a kind of job where there was a lot of time to kill, which really was not ideal for me. I, I was really disappointed with I thought the job was going to be something different. And it turned out that I had a few tasks that I needed to do during the day, but the rest of the time they just wanted me to sit at a desk and be ready in case somebody walked into the office to help them out. And so it really was a pretty weak job. I didn't like it, but I realized that I was basically going to be in the job for at least a few months. And it was, you know, I, I, I'm incapable of just sitting there and staring at a wall. 
And once I realized that the people I worked with and worked for had no interest in utilizing uh, in utilizing me or my any of my skills or anything, um, I decided, okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take this time uh, to to read. And so I started reading about ancient history. I said, I'm interested in this. I've never really taken the time to study it much. So I'd just like to dive in and, and see if I find it interesting. And I did. And over a period of a few months, I read a ton of information. Uh, the histories of Alexander the Great. I started to dive into the ancient sources like Plutarch and Arian and others. I started to read. I started to want to understand the information I was reading and, and how to analyze it and what the experts thought about it. And so I started reading scholarly journals. My brother, my youngest brother, I think was in college. Uh, my middle brother was still in college. So I could use his JSTOR account and I could access all of these articles and I could really, you know, uh, I could read the so- original sources. I could read summaries online and then I could read what the experts thought. And so I really started studying most of all Alexander and his career. And I was really interested in him as a person and what he was like and what his psychology was and what motivated him and who he believed he really was. Did he really believe he was the son of a god? Uh, Did he believe that he was going to be a hero in the afterlife? And all these kinds of questions that I think uh, many have asked about historical figures like Alexander. Uh, And so I dove pretty deep into all of that, and it gave me a little bit of a grounding in the time period and ancient Greece in general. And I'm really a, a believer, at least for me, rather than just reading broad summaries of long periods of time, to do a deep dive into something. So rather than maybe just reading a summary of uh, let's say the founding of the United States, uh, that you can definitely do that, but it gives you kind of just that surface level understanding. Whereas what I would recommend is instead of just reading a, a broad summary, maybe do a deep dive into something or someone that you think is interesting. So uh, for me, like I've always been interested in Thomas Paine. So maybe read a few biographies about Thomas Paine from different perspectives and that's going to give you a grounding in the time period and you can do a deep dive into what things were like and his relationships with these other people who were involved in the Revolutionary War and the founding of America and all of that. So I kind of did that with Alexander. And I learned. I started learning more about Greek mythology. I became interested in Achilles, who was one of the heroes that Alexander referenced and was uh, an admirer of. And I became interested in... Uh, the stories uh, related to Achilles, and I started to really wanted to understand more about these figures and about you know historical and mythological. And I realized there was a lot of open-ended questions that experts hadn't answered, uh, or there were differing opinions on. And so you know, did the Trojan War really happen? Uh, what happened to the tomb of Achilles that? Uh, Alexander and other historical figures supposedly visited during their careers. And so I just kind of wanted to understand this stuff better. And that's when, after a few months at least, of kind of doing a lot of research, 
uh, on my own and reading a lot. So I kind of felt like I, I at least understand the broad strokes of some of this and what uh, the discipline is like and what the key sources are like and and uh, what we have to go on. Then I started to kind of branch out and start writing a little bit on my own and trying to answer questions on websites like Quora where you can just answer people's questions and then people upvote the answers that they like or the, the you know that are the most helpful. So and you don't have to have a a PhD or anything to answer a question on Quora. And so I started answering questions and I started blogging some and that's when I created ancientheroes.net as a place where I could write my own articles about the subjects that I was interested in. And it started really niche. Again, I really didn't have a broad understanding of Greek history or the ancient world, but I was starting to get a pretty good understanding of really niche subject matter, like Alexander's relationship with his parents or something like that. And so I would start writing articles and and posting those on ancientheroes.net. And I actually wanted to write a book, and I, I wanted to eventually write a book about Alexander the Great. But, you know, as often happens, the deeper you dive in, the more you realize how little you actually know and your, uh, your, you know, your ideas of what you want to do might change. And so I ended up deciding that I wasn't really close to being ready to write a book and that I, I decided instead that I would start doing a podcast. And that way it would allow me to continue to research, continue to talk to people, uh, in fact, increase my ability a hundredfold to talk to the actual experts directly. And so uh, rather than a book, I started a podcast, Ancient Heroes, and I did it for a little while. And the, the first few episodes of Ancient Heroes were actually sort of a narrative that I would write and I try to create. I try to produce like a um, kind of a fully scripted show for for a few episodes, but that's extremely labor intensive, and you almost you almost need a team of people to do that kind of thing regularly. In fact, I would say you almost surely do. And so it's it's there's too many moving pieces. It takes too long to produce a single episode. So after I did a few, maybe I did I think three episodes about Alexander the Great. I realized, okay, that's not that's not a sustainable way. You can do that, but it's not sustainable to, to continuously be creating scripted episodes of a show where you're producing these complicated stories, where you're writing you're writing scripts, you're interviewing people, all of the editing. It just was it didn't seem sustainable if you weren't doing that as a full time job, which I couldn't at the time. And so Anyway, so I started doing more interviews and keeping it simpler. And now uh, I'm, I'm keeping it simpler than ever. And I think that's, I'm trying to do an episode a week. And so far I've been, I've been holding to that schedule. And I think about half the episodes will be interviews. And about half the episodes will be me talking about research that I've done or a, a single subject. I have some ideas of some things I want to do coming up about the seven wonders of the ancient world. And so that that those are uh, I'm really looking forward to diving into those. But so, anyways, um, yeah. So so after I had the website, and then I started the podcast where I started engaging with other people, and that's I've got I've gained so much value in being able to talk to leading historians and scholars of the ancient world, and to ask them the questions 
that I can't find answers to online. So that's been just an incredible experience. And so I think more than anything, the the lessons that I've learned in this process are the first lesson is to give yourself a chance to investigate and to pursue your interests, your purest interests, the interests that you've probably had in one way or another since you were a kid. Robert Greene, uh, who's, who's a, a best-selling author, wrote a book called Mastery, and he really emphasizes that point, that in order to master something and to become kind of world-class at something, it's probably something that you've had an inclination to since you were very young. And so go back to that time period of when you were a kid, what, what are you interested in? You know, what, what kinds of things caught your attention? Maybe when you were a kid, you were always fascinated by trees and you wanted to memorize every kind of tree and you loved climbing trees. And, you know, uh, so it's like maybe today, if you feel like you're not sure what type of hobby to have or you just want to find some more passion in your life, you know, maybe uh, maybe start learning a little bit about trees. Maybe start maybe expand on that interest you had as a kid that you kind of gave up on once you know you went into middle school or high school and you know started playing sports or whatever. Go back to some of those original interests because sometimes those are the things that are unique to you that you can really uh, that you can really get a lot of fulfillment from and that you can really kind of bring uh, new angles to the world. And so I'm a big believer in that. So anyways, one of those things for me was ancient history. Uh, I I was always, like I said, I was always reading about ancient Rome, ancient Greece, these ancient civilizations. I was fascinated by the politics and who was in power and the, uh, the, you know, um, the conquerors and, and just, uh, the everything about it I found to be fascinating. So, um, so I kind of revisited that in my twenties, and I I've gone down that rabbit hole. And so that's my first lesson for me um, that I've learned is don't ignore your interest. You know, um, take your interests seriously and dive into them, and just give yourself the freedom to see where it takes you. And so, you, but you have to take the time to do it. And, um, so if you find yourself, you know, uh, you're, 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 you're doing a lot of traveling for work and you have layovers at the airport, don't spend that time on social media, scrolling through Instagram all day, go back to some of your interests that, uh, that, that you've had, that maybe you've had in the back of your head. I, I wish, you know, I always wanted to do this. I always was curious about that, whatever. So, so anyways, um, that's lesson one. Lesson two is, don't be afraid to engage with other people about your interests and don't be intimidated. So for me, uh, you know, the world of history, um, it's a world that involves academia. You have people who have PhDs who've studied for eight years or, you know, maybe 25 years on one subject. And because of that, you might think that you don't have anything to add or why would they want to talk to you or, um, you know, uh, they must be right because they have these credentials. And I would just say that, uh, you know, um, 
that expertise is important, but there's all different kinds of expertise and there's ways to get expertise. And not everyone that has, um, uh, you know, some of the, probably the most uh, influential person involved in history today in the su- in the study of history is a guy who, to my knowledge, has no uh, master's degree or PhD, and that's Dan Carlin, who has the podcast Hardcore History. He's probably reached more people with his stories and his historical analysis than any historian almost ever. And so I would just say that there are, you know, the world today of podcasting, of writing online, of creating videos, and, you know, there's, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a certain degree uh, or certain letters behind your name to contribute to the conversation. And that's what I would say is this is, it's a, it's a large conversation with many people and there are a lot of different perspectives. And I would also say that uh, a lot of stuff, especially with ancient history, a lot is unknown. And so there's a lot of speculation. There's only so many really reliable sources for someone like Alexander. So there's a lot of debate. So I would just say, you know, uh, read, the, go back to the sources yourself, read them, read the analyses, and then try to come to your own conclusions. And that's something that I've learned um, a lot of scholars disagree about certain things. So, for instance, we've talked about it on this show. Some some historians think that Alexander and uh, Hephaestion were in a romantic relationship. Some don't. And so even the people that have been studying this stuff for a really long time disagree about different things. And so my advice is read the original sources and the secondary sources that they are analyzing, read their analysis, and then you know use your own judgment to try to develop your own conclusions about, uh, or your own ideas, let's say, about some of these questions about history. So those are kind of my two big takeaways. Follow those childhood interests, and they don't have to be childhood. Maybe it's an interest that comes to you later in life, but take that seriously. You know, don't ignore it because there's more um, practical stuff you should be doing. Uh, obviously, you know, um, many people don't have a lot of spare time. Uh, but, you know, most people have spare time one way or another. And maybe it means not what, not keeping up with every show on Netflix or whatever. But with that precious spare time that you might have, I would just say, uh, you know, don't be afraid to to kind of do something that other people might think is weird and don't be afraid to listen to yourself most of all and to listen to what you actually are interested in. And then the second thing, don't be afraid to engage with others, to ask questions, to answer a question on Quora that you feel like you have a pretty good knowledge about, even if you're not a PhD, that's fine. Um, don't be afraid to join, to join the conversation. That's really all this stuff is, is it's a conversation that many people are having about these ancient subjects. So don't be afraid to jump in and ask questions and learn and then start contributing in small ways and build off of that. You know, um, look, there might be some niche subject that you've studied for two weeks where you know more about that niche subject than a PhD um, does um, in ancient history. So 
you might be, you know, if you study something, uh, if, you know, a niche subject for, uh, you know, you study it pretty deeply, you might, you might find yourself just as knowledgeable as anyone in the world about that thing. And so, uh, so don't be afraid to engage and join the conversation and, you know, start blogging, start a podcast, uh, start answering questions on Quora, whatever those things may be. And as long as you're trying to do it in good faith and you're not trying to present yourself as more than you are or, or um, trying to claim a false sense of expertise or something like that, then I think you'll be welcomed into the conversation and you'll you'll really enjoy it. So, anyways, th- those are my lessons. Th- that's a little bit about my backstory. I hope that some of you found that interesting. And like I said, we've got uh, a handful of episodes coming up soon with top historians uh, that I think you're going to like a lot. So, okay, talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks to Derek Feister for composing the music used in this episode. If you like the show, consider leaving us a review on iTunes or your podcast app. Until next time.